you're listening to Birds, Bees, and Teas, a sexuality education and storytelling podcast hosted by yours truly, Miss Nia Angie Africana Sutton. Hey, teasers. Thanks for tuning into this very special episode of your favorite and funniest podcast, sexuality education podcast, Birds, Bees, and Teas. Now, listen, this episode is so, 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 so good, and I can't wait for y'all to hear it. Um, This is Orgasms 101 featuring the public health sexologist, Alicia B. Free Andrews, and it's everything. Um, And I'm not even going to give y'all too much right here because we're just going to get into it. But first, I want to announce the Birds, Bees, and Teas one-year anniversary contest winners. Thank you all for participating in the contest that was hosted on our Instagram page at Birds, Bees, Teas um, because we give out prizes on this podcast. Yes, so... Make sure that you are following us and staying in tune so that you can be a prize winner as well. And the prizes this time are um, the lucky winners will be gifted um, either a sex toy, their own copy of the Orgasm Answer Guide, which we use to guide this episode. And um, the third prize is a cash app prize from the Birds, V's, and T's cash app. And so our winners are, first up, Untamed Ege, my good girlfriend, Imani, um, who had uh, two, had tagged two friends and two, and both of the friends followed. So everybody, they followed the instructions. They understood the assignment and Imani is a winner as a result. So congratulations to her. Yay! Our next winner is Zora Lonnie Beauty. Zora underscore Lonnie Beauty. And this is my girl Ashia. Thank you so much for um, participating in the contest. And both of the followers that, both of the friends that you tagged in the post followed the Birds, Bees, and Teas um, Instagram page as well. So thank you all. Congratulations, and our third prize winner, drumroll, underscore D Ferg, Danielle, my best friend, thank you so much for your loyalty to this podcast and for understanding the assignment, the two friends that you tagged in the post also Follow the Birds, Bees, and Teas page, and we love it. We love it. Um, there were also some people who were really close to runner-ups, um, and they were actually both my sisters, my eldest sister and my baby sister. So thank y'all, Kanisha in London, for participating. And there may be some prizes in store for y'all too, but also y'all birthdays are coming up, so I don't know. Y'all know y'all the Libras, so <laughs> y'all y'all can't run my pockets twice. Um, so thank you and congratulations to all the winners. Um, we thank y'all for y'all support. 
we did um gain a lot of new followers from this and we're grateful and appreciative to y'all but we're trying to still run it up we're trying to get to 500 followers on instagram so i need y'all to share um, this episode share the podcast share our posts save our posts um you know retweet um tag your friends all of those good wonderful things that y'all do to support the podcast so with all that being said, I am going to stop talking now and I'm going to um, share with you all the amazing episode that I had the pleasure of co-hosting with Miss Alicia Andrews. Thank you so much, Alicia, for joining us on the Birds, Bees, and Teas podcast for this very special and highly anticipated episode, Orgasms 101, where we will talk all about orgasms and how they happen and um, sometimes how and why they don't, and okay. answer all of the, <laughs> answer all of the um, wonderful questions that you all have asked, the teasers about orgasms. Um, so um, hopefully, you know, this will be informative to you all and um, it'll spark conversation. That's what we do on this podcast. We just want to plant the seeds for y'all to continue your own learning and conversations. Um, but if y'all have questions as a result of this podcast or anything that you learn on here, definitely feel free to um, send us a DM or drop it in the comments or um, something like that to let us know what questions you have and um, we will do our best to answer them for you. So I am very, very happy and excited to um, be co-hosting today and um, be on this podcast with one of my favorite sex educators and one of my mentors and um, my fellow um, alum all of that good stuff. So um, Alicia Andrews from Be Free Wellness is here with us today for this episode. And Alicia, I'm going to um, turn it over to you to introduce yourself to the teasers. Yeah. Hello, teasers. And Mia, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. So my name is Alicia Andrews. I am the founder and visionary of Be Free Wellness Education and Consulting. I am a public health sexologist. And that is pretty much, I took my love of health education and coupled it with um, my love and specialty in human sexuality education. And here I am. Um, I just wanted to get out there and do the people of service. I was with um, some agencies. I felt like I was doing a disservice and just wanted like, what's my next step? So my next step was like, hey, you know all the things, you could do all the things. So teach the people all the things and everybody. So I teach sex ed. I train professionals how to teach sex ed properly. Um, I also am a public health educator, first and foremost, a graduate of North Carolina Central University, Department of Public Health Education. Yes, Eagle Pie Amplify. So that's where I got my love to further teaching and understand and teach people you know, about behavior changes and everything. And then I got my master's in human sexuality at Widener University. And that's when everything just kind of came together. Like, oh my God, this makes so much sense. And sex ed, particularly from our public health standpoint, was always negative. Everything was about disease prevention. So I um, 
created my business to pretty much normalize sexual communication on all levels within the community to help um, reestablish and establish um, total wellness and having your sexual well-being the core of your total wellness. So that's what I teach the people. Um, I'm all about teaching all grade levels from young people to adults. So from the community, universities, the presidents, whomever. If you call me, I'm coming. I got something for you. So that's where I am, what I do. Yes. Um, you said so many things that um, I'm just inspired by. So thank you for sharing that. Um, and I was going to ask you, like, um, can you share a little bit about why you think that um, adults need to continue conversations about sex and sex education? Because that's what we do on this podcast. And you mm -hmm. um, spoke on all of those things about, um, you know, sexual wellness being a part of your overall wellness and um, all of those wonderful things. So I appreciate you. I appreciate you for being here and for doing what you do. Um, and just being you as a person. Um, let me tell y'all some of the things that I love about Alicia so that y'all can be prepared for what we're about to get into. <laughs> um, I first, um, uh, Alicia is an alum of the Department um, of Public Health Education at NCCU, as she mentioned. And that is how I first came into contact with her. I would just be seeing her at alumni events or hearing her name um, around the department and things like that. And I'm like, well, you know, I want to know more about who this person is. I need to, you know, like get in her mix because I just keep hearing her name <laughs> and all of those things like that. And I knew that um, y'all know this too, that I wanted to get into sexuality education um, and use my public health degree for that. And so um, we had opportunities to cross paths a few times at conferences and things like that. And I would just be sitting around like listening to her in awe because she is so raw and so just just real. Like when you meet ah. people, it's, it just really touches you and you know that it's real. And um, I just love the way the way that you do sex education like you um, it's not in a way that people can't understand what you're talking about. You know, you, you bring it to the everyday person's level and the language um, that you use and um, just bring a sense of like comfort to be able to have these um, types of conversations. And so I really just admire that about you. And um, I just admire the work that you're doing. And, you know, we are team Be Free Wellness and everything else that you're doing over here. We just hey. we stand in support. <laughs> I appreciate it and I like it that you said that you like it because it you know I keep things raw and that's something I'm working on like a part of my sex ed um I call it raw sex ed r-a-a-w um uh, real authentic and holistic like that's just me who I am that's something that's just been ingrained um to be your authentic self um and I am a girl I'm a home girl down hometown down the street type girl I'm from the country eastern North Carolina uh Aiden A-Y-D-E-N the den is my town so I always represent 252 they were like what is that where is that I'm gonna tell you I show you and you're gonna learn something from me right so I just kind of keep my authentic so because it's just how I am like you can't come around here friends right you can't come around as we like to throw on these fugazi acting crazy what have you and it's just people respect you when you are your authentic self 
And when you're talking about something as sensitive as sexuality education, and because it's already like, people are already nervous about it, right? We already have sex talks anyway. Let's talk about that. We already have sexual communication, period. But we just don't necessarily have the language to say, oh, this is what this is, right? And when it comes to just further having these conversations, like you want people to be down to earth and just, you don't want people to, to beat around the bush or sugarcoat anything because people already been doing that pretty much your entire life Absolutely. when it comes around this particular topic. So it's just like, I just kind of get to you raw, just what it is. Raw honey, honey, just, just rich and sweet. That's it. That's all I can get to you. Yes. Raw honey, rich and sweet. We love it. Okay. So um, we are going to jump right in and talk about some of these questions that you all asked us and some of the things that y'all can expect for this podcast. So um, I've already mentioned so many of the reasons why I wanted Alicia to come on, but specifically for this episode about Orgasms 101 is because I shared with you all that I was reading the Orgasm Answer Guide, and I actually borrowed this book originally from Alicia, so I thought it would be so fitting um, and all of the wonderful, other wonderful things that she has to share, I thought it would be so fitting to bring her on for this episode um, so that we can talk about these things and answer you all's questions. So we will start with the basics. And I know this might seem like really basic for some people, but we are going to first start with defining what an orgasm is. And it's really important that we do that because just as Alicia was saying, we already are having conversations about this, but we don't always have the language. And um, therefore, people can define things um, as they want to or as they wish to. They may not be 100% accurate. So what are orgasms? An orgasm is a buildup of pleasurable body sensations and excitement to a peak intensity that then releases tensions and creates a feeling of satisfaction and relaxation. That is the definition that is provided in this text, um, the Orgasm Answer Guide by uh, Barry. I'm, you know what? I'm not gonna um, even yep. try to play with y'all and pronounce uh-huh. these names. I'm gonna go through it. Just show the book. <laughs> <laughs> the picture of the book is um, on our social medias at Birds so y'all can see the names there because I'm not even gonna disrespect these people like that. Um, okay. But that is how they know Beverly Wilson is one of them. That's probably yes. the easiest name up there. The rest of them, they have beautiful names, but you know, yes. with my country tongue, I'm not. Mm-mm. I ain't gonna do it. <laughs> but they are well respected, scholarly people in the field of sexology. So just know that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> they know what they're talking about, and we believe it. <laughs> they know it. Exactly. Exactly. Um, Alicia, is there anything that you would add to that definition of um, orgasm? Yeah, and just to sum it up, it's literally like the build up of um, sexual arousal, right? And whether a person has uh, genital contact, non-genital contact, but it's pretty much where your brain is sending all the signals to the right parts of your body and preparing your body for that orgasmic experience that people may have, whether if you're with somebody, without somebody, or um, it's just different ways that people can have orgasms, but we'll get into that. Yes, we will. We will. 
So um, before we go any further, since we are, um, since I will be sharing some responses to the, you all's questions from the text, um, I wanted to just talk a little bit about it. The um, This book was published in 2010, I believe. And um, I, I say that to share that so much has happened since 2010. Uh -huh. Like it feels like it was just yesterday, but at the same time, it was 11 years ago. Um, and our vocabulary has changed in 11 years. We've learned so much um, about gender and sexuality um, and sexual orientation in the last 11 years. Um, so there are limitations with um, within the text in regard to that. Um, there are some terms that are outdated or would even be considered offensive to some folks. And also um, we like, I'm just grateful for the ability to for us to talk about sex openly um, mm -hmm. as we move into like this decade and future um, decades is being more acceptable to talk about sex openly and therefore more research is being done on sex and so all of the research that has happened from 2010 to present isn't captured in the text but it's still a really good basis um, on the information that we know and the directions that we're going as far as um, science so just wanted right. to share that and definitely also with um, sexual research uh, things have expounded, and one of the things that I'm proud of, particularly in our field, and we know for any field or profession, that um, there are not many people of color and Black people in these fields. However, that this has been changing and evolving um, recently. So I am um, blessed to be a part of a wonderful group of sexuality educators and research therapists, or researchers and therapists. Um, who are in the field doing dynamic work and also um, close friend of mine, Dr. Shamika Thorpe, she's doing research on sexual pleasure in um, Black women. So that's something that is rarely, rarely researched and she's come out with some great stuff. So um, hopefully we can come back and maybe you can invite her to talk about some of her research um, yes. and, and what that looks like and to one of the researches that she actually did was like one of the largest researches that has been done thus far uh, talking about um, sexual pleasure in Black women. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, I would love to, and I'm, you know, just going to go ahead and speak this on her, but I would love to, you know, the part two or the part three to this episode be us um, discussing that research um, through the lens of Black people and Black women and Black femmes, um, because this, this text is very, um, like, scientific-based, and it also uh -huh. is mm -hmm. um, it's written through a white lens, so mm -hmm. um, definitely I'm looking forward to that, and um, I will share in the comments of the podcast, you all, um, Dr. Shamika's in, um, Instagram information and how y'all can stay um, up to date with that research that's happening. Absolutely. And one of the things I will say I do like about this book because it is an answer guide. So even though there's some scientific answers, which is really good. So anytime, especially as a sexuality educator, you already know me like they already have beef with us anyway about being sex educated. And without teaching, y'all teaching our kids this and they're like, no. We're really coming with the facts, right? We're coming with straight science behind everything. And what makes it even better, particularly on our end, and I feel like that happens with 
um, when you're having more people of color and more black women and um, um, other about um, indigenous people that are in the field and are educators, we're coming with our experiences, right? And we're coming with our community's experiences too. So that thing of where we center those who we talk about and, and what we're talking about in that particular topic and not just saying, oh, just because we have the letters behind our name or what have you, that we're the total experts, which is not the case. Absolutely, absolutely. Thank you for that. All right, so let's get into the questions. Um, so let's see, which one should be number one? One um, of the first questions that we received about orgasms, is it unhealthy to not have orgasms? Is, is it unhealthy? I wouldn't say if it's unhealthy or healthy, but it's not uncommon. You know, everybody's bodies are different and it can be disappointing not to have an orgasm, right? Because everybody... Mm -hmm. Hopefully, I would say this, anybody, it doesn't matter how many partners, whether if you're by yourself, it's a couple, a throuple, a four-four, or whatever, however many people you want to have. Hopefully that the outcome and the goal is for everybody to have some type of sexual pleasurable outcome, right? That they do have an orgasmic experience. Um, but is it unhealthy to not have an orgasm? I think you would feel a, feel a way, <laughs> um, but you have to think about your experiences like, why aren't you um, experiencing these orgasms, right? Is it because of your partners? Is it because of you're unsure about your body um, or, you know, your partner not knowing what they're doing and you may not have the confidence or the words or the, the know-how to express um, yourself so you can have those sexual climaxes, right, and, uh, and orgasms. So it may can lead to some unhealthy thoughts or behaviors, but I wouldn't necessarily say it's unhealthy per se. Um, now, I feel like it will become unhealthy if you're in a relationship and you are left out of the orgasmic box, right? Your, your partner gets off, they have all the orgasmic moments and then you're kind of left there kind of high and dry, right? I feel like that will become unhealthy because there's something missing there. And I, the biggest piece is going to be communication, right? So that you haven't been able, or even the confidence or comfort to be able to talk to your partner to say, hey, I have not had orgasm. Okay. And there are plenty of married couples and couples that are in these situations where they have not had orgasm while they're with their partner. Like they're just having sex. And it's just like, okay, my partner ejaculated and, and mostly that coming from, and just a disclaimer, y'all, so anything that I probably speak about may be coming from my uh, cis-hetero experience. That's all I can speak for, that's all I know. However, we know that there is not the only orientation or sexual preferences and behaviors that are out there. So I may come from a heteronormative conversation lens. However, that's not the case. Um, but in that particular feature where the person who may exude more of the masculine behavior, that they're more likely to have their orgasm, right? And then the person, the feminine, is kind of left there like, yeah, what about me? Hey, what about her? Yeah, um, and I want to talk a little bit about that. Like, why is it, or how did we get here as a society where um, it is okay Baby. for that, <laughs> like, where, where that is okay? Like, where the expectation is that the um, 
mask partner will experience um, an orgasm and that women and people with vulvas um, are just kind of like, if you get it, you get it. If you don't, you don't. Right. How do we get here as a society? That, like, what's your opinion on that? Do we have time? Um, society, culture, all the things, the supremacy of it all. Um, but more so just where we sit and even like all cultures, it's not the same, but right, we can see for our culture, right? Um, in, in Western civilization where it just always the male, the masculine has that authoritative and the dominant uh, superiority and the, every all the things that they done was important. And when it came to women and think about biblically, right? Um, and and the the watered down biblical part, not even talking about the real deep of it all, like the real, real stories biblically, but the stories that they want to show in those particular um, constructs that they want to, that they built around it of that women just, they're second class, like nothing of us matters. Our bodies doesn't matter. Um, we're just there for reproduction and procreation, right? That, that's just all that we, that that story was built upon us to be and to also exude and to follow through with that particular status. Um, however, we know that's not that's not true. Like everything just became one-sided, but you know, you had the wave of feminism come through and was like, hey, we're out here, listen to us, this is our bodies, or the fact that we like sex too. We like to be pleased too. It's not about you all um and your orgasms or whatever your sexual gratifications are but it's about the all the individuals that are involved in that moment absolutely absolutely and thank you for sharing your insight on that um and i just want to always bring that to the forefront because i think it's really important that um the teasers understand or you know we have these conversations about how like larger societal oppression and societal factors impact our very like individualistic experiences with sex so mm -hmm. thank you so much for that and you like touched on so many of the other things that we are going to talk about but um yes let's just get to it okay so um in chapter five of the text and somebody will win um this book as a prize so in chapter five of the text, it talks all about orgasms and health, um, and it coincides with everything that Alicia shared, that it's not necessarily unhealthy to not have orgasms, but orgasms can be beneficial for the health. Um, <clears throat> masturbation and sexual activity can benefit many aspects of well-being, including longevity, immunity, reproductive health, pain management, and even... Um, some psychological effects. So mm -hmm. you all can read all about that there. Um, so kind of playing off of that question, and, um, another teaser adds, is there a number of orgasms we should experience daily, monthly, or yearly? I thought that that was an interesting question yeah. because um, I'm, it varies. It it does. Right. It it does. It Everybody right. doesn't come with like, hey, you should have like five orgasms a day. Some people will, some people can't, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. But there's no number. like, And it really does not um, 
limit who you are as a person based on how many orgasms you can have. Um, but it just really, the, the goal is honestly, anytime that you have consensual sexual experience, that you can have an orgasmic experience, right? Um, but again, depending on all the situations that's happening, the environment, your, your physical, your mental, all of these things that play a part in that um, will determine if you will be successful in having an orgasm. So I don't think it's really a number, but I feel like everybody should have at least one orgasm a day. It's like, what did they say? An apple a day keeps the doctor away? <laughs> yes. An <laughs> orgasm a day will keep the doctor away, keep the attitude away will help you sleep a little better mm-hmm. <laughs> um, will help you understand your body a little better like it's all of these things like you will have the best sleep after you have a good orgasm right so it really just depends on whether if you're having and then also if you're looking to have an orgasm with a partner or if you're looking to have an orgasm by yourself mm-hmm. so it really just depends mm-hmm. absolutely Absolutely. I, that, um, what do they call it? Post-nut clarity. <laughs> it's, it's so important. So, you know, if you, know, you so are, to like, if you feel like you had a hard day, you know, people, what they had that, um, since people have been working home because of COVID, right? Mm-hmm. And some of the things with research that people have been doing more of is cleaning home, taking care of home, and as well as um, having more sex. So you, people are a little happy, right? Yeah, yes, that, that is um, definitely, uh, we can say a pro of this um, pandemic and, you know, people being more in touch with the things that they, you know, need to do for their homes and for their bodies and for themselves. Um, so that I've, I've definitely appreciated that working from home and just right. gave me so much more time to focus on me as a person and a human and um yes okay fabulous on average how long should a woman's orgasm last how long the orgasm should last um Mm -hmm. orgasm does not last long at all um couple of seconds and you can have multiple ones. So people may think about that one that's actually probably multiple orgasms that you're having in that interval of time that you are having sex. Um, so there's no real length of time that somebody can have orgasms like a couple of seconds. Somebody can have an orgasm that may last a couple of minutes or longer. Mm-hmm. You know, so it really just depends on everybody. Um, and one of the things that y'all would hear, honestly, is that I will not give a direct answer because I'm not speaking for everybody. I can't speak for everybody because um, everybody has different bodies. Your bodies are operating differently. You're on different sexual and intimate development um, levels, right? So what you may experience, somebody else may not experience. And then I don't want people to come in thinking like, oh, she said I should have about 10 orgasms in a day or something. And I'm trying, I haven't gotten that. And then come back and find me on Facebook and Instagram on my web, website, start leaving like, you said this and I didn't come out with this. I, I'm not, I'm not responsible. Okay. I can give in general to say that, you know, it, it differs for everybody. You may have, and then 
whether if you are in a situation where you might be having a quickie, you might not have time for a whole lot of orgasms, right? Mm -hmm. But then it's also depending on what your body does and what your body reacts to. So if you're thinking that, oh, I'm coming in here real quick and have this, and then your body was like, nah, B, I got this, and I'm about to take you on out of here. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, and I, I really love what you were saying about how um, things are just different for everybody and their bodies, um, because so much of what we learn about orgasms, especially, and I can say this like using I statements, um, in adulthood, so much of what I've learned has been like, prescriptive like this is how it should happen this is what it should feel like this is um you know when it should happen during sex all of those mm -hmm. things that it's like some type of playbook that is and it's really not like that it's really dependent upon your body and your experience and what you make it and how it plays out for you right so, love that and then the text says that there are multiple factors that influence how long an orgasm lasts like age um period of sexual abstinence type okay. of sexual stimulation whether the orgasm is a result of masturbation or partnered sex um so all of those things can play into it and it's um you know all of those factors vary upon us all as individuals so exactly okay so our next question um and i'm i chose this question to be next because we were talking about how bodies vary and how people have different experiences and a teaser confided in eggs um why they have never had an orgasm and how they can achieve one um and that was the language that they used and mm -hmm. um, i thought that that was really interesting um because in this text and just through my learning, um, <clears throat> I've been reading a lot about um, like performance versus pleasure-based sex and mm -hmm. um, like Got achieving it. an orgasm versus experiencing an orgasm. And um, that is the language that they use in this text, um, talking about experiencing orgasm or, or reaching an orgasm being an experience and not necessarily um, like a goal. Mm -hmm. so can you talk a little bit about that and um, what advice you would give to someone who wants to have an orgasm, but they have not yet been able to experience that? Um, what I think the, the biggest thing that they can probably do is kind of sit in themselves and individually figure it out, like think about their sexual experiences, what they've gone through, um, the sexual experiences that you've been in, because uh, one of the things that we do know, particularly if you're talking about like pretty much sexual behaviors can be performances, as you said. So sometimes you're just having sex to have sex with somebody because somebody may have spoken of a desire for you to have sex. You may not have necessarily been on that level to do so, but you say, hey, let's try it anyway, right? And you may not have been fully committed or that person may not have been fully there to understand the assignment, right? Like I told you, like before, they are just there for themselves and their own sexual gratification. So it's not going to take much for them to get off, mm -hmm. but they're not going to be concerned about who they are and their partner, right? Um, and the other thing is, have you experienced um, 
or orgasm or you haven't experienced or achieved it, but was that coupled or was that self-pleasure? You know, and, and I'm assuming because I didn't really say, but this is probably more so from a coupled experience, mm-hmm. um, meaning that they are partnered and having sex with somebody else. Um, but the other thing is like, have they tried it on their own? to have that moment to, I like to say, set the mood for yourself, just like you'll set the mood for somebody else. Have that moment where you are going to say, hey, I need to explore my body. I need to figure out where my spots are. Like I always tell people, explore your body first and figure out your spots and how to get you there before you expect somebody else to get you there, right? Nice. You can't you can't go in and be like, oh, okay, just go ahead and do that. Because they don't know your body. You know your body. You know how to work your body to get to that point. Don't wait for no somebody else to try to get you there. You better beat them to the punch. Okay. <laughs> you know, work the muscles and hips and all the things that you need to work. Um, but think about what are you doing to explore that particular um, that option or that experience that you're having, right? Um, is there foreplay involved? Is there any additional toys being used? Is there, what are you doing on the intimacy level to get that person turned on? Do you even know what turns you on so you can communicate that to your partner to have that? Um, or how are you about looking at porn? Maybe you should try to look at porn, something that you're attracted to, um, that's appeasing to you, that may help you get to that point because your body even when you don't necessarily think about it, but your body is going to do what it wants to do, especially if anything where that brain is getting stimulated. The brain stimulates everything and then everything else gets moisturized and stimulated. I'm like, oh my God, like, what is happening here? Like, I, I didn't think it was going to be that. Mm-hmm. Um, but really thinking about, you have to think about you. Don't think about the other person. Think about what you know about you, what you can do for you and how you can we have to become our own advocates, right? You have to advocate for great sex for yourself. And if that person that you are with, that you're entrusting them to help you explore and get to that point, um, if you can't advocate that with them, then that may not be the person for you. Um, and you might need to try something else, maybe exploring using different toys. Um, There's a lot of different things that you could do to explore to help you get to that point. But definitely, I said we'll start out, it, it's definitely like self-love. It starts with that first and then let that trickle on to somebody else. Because again, you can't expect somebody to get you there and you haven't gotten yourself there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I love that. And um, what you're saying is in correlation with something that stuck out to me from the text. It says, while you can be stimulated erotically by your partner, your partner can't give you an orgasm. You are in control of your own feelings, including your orgasms. And even if you don't experience an orgasm, you can nevertheless derive great pleasure and satisfaction from positive sexual encounters. Um, And that's just so real. Like, you are in control of that. And I think that because of some, um, like, all of those... um, societal factors and all of the oppression that um, we talked about earlier, especially for uh, women and women identifying folks. Mm -hmm. We have like completely put the sex ball in the corner of the person that we're having sex with. Like this is, you know, you're, you're in control. You make the decisions sexually, like, you know, 
all of those things because we haven't been empowered enough to explore our sexualities on our own and even shamed for when we do that. So it's difficult for us to, um, you know, sometimes like take that control and realize that it's about us in that moment um, Mm -hmm. where we can, as opposed to just like putting it on somebody else or making it their responsibility. So right exactly agree with that and again taking like it's all the things so coming from that public health standpoint where I integrate like the dimensions of wellness into sexuality and the circles of sexuality Mm -hmm. um and to say like all of your pieces of this dimension and all of the pieces of those components related to your sexuality kind of have to be in tune with each other because if one of these pieces are off then that's kind of going to do a ripple effect and kind of knock everything else off, right? So it's like, for my, thank God for backgrounds, right? So I have a pile of clothes over here. Now, if I go over there in that pile and I pull out one thing, I don't care how big or small it is, that whole pile going to come something like that, right? So I have to be methodical and say, okay, I can't pull from here, but I'm going to have to restructure all the way around so I won't have a mess. So that's about how it is with, um experience and pleasure you have to make sure all of your pieces are together is your environment set um are you is your mind clear are you mentally focused on what's happening or are you thinking about all the things that you need to do when you finish all the things that's going to be waiting for you when you're done or worried about like again are you performing sex or are you really exploring it Mm-hmm. And performance sex meaning that you're just only acting because your partner asked you to. And you may not be in the mood because a lot of people may be like, oh, I ain't in the mood, but to keep them happy, I'm going to do it, right? So if you're doing things that you don't want to do or things are just a little off, then if everything, like I said, if you're not in tune with your star player, and star player is you, right? If you're not in tune with that, then you may not be able to have the best sexual experiences that could lead to that orgasm because you have all of these things that's clouding your thought process. And also, you're probably worried about having a damn orgasm so bad, you're stressing yourself out. Yeah. <laughs> and you can't have one. So it's just like, well, what's happening? And almost like um, individuals with uteruses, right? And when we have our periods, we're menstruating, and something's like, oh my God, my period is like, and that's, why is your period? Like, your body reacts to stress, right? So if you're stressed out, then that period's not going to come. So if you're stressed out about some things and you got all this tension built up in you, then that orgasm might not come. Plenty of tension. That I thought you hear? The orgasm, <laughs> might, not <come. laughs> the orgasm <laughs> might not come. Yes. Yeah, but we um, got to keep it coming. Got to keep it coming. And and um, I'm I'm glad that you mentioned that because another question um that was asked was are orgasms mostly mental or physical? And so you were really just speaking on that so go ahead and answer that question orgasms is all of it it's the mental the physical the emotional the spiritual the all the things like wrapped up into one to make it that explosive moment right Mm -hmm. um and again I remember matter of fact I just had a conversation with somebody earlier to say you know whenever I do just like I don't have any children and whenever I do decide to have children I want it to be in a situation, in a, a position where me and the father is so in tune with ourselves that we are 
so peaceful, so joyous, so loved, so all of this that you're going to see that when the baby comes out, you're going to feel like this baby was happy as hell. Like this baby was conceived in love, like all the things, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so that's how your sexual experience should be to where all the things are together and it makes this, it's going to create this explosive moment, right? But of course, we already know things aren't always cookie cutter, aren't always like that. But again, set the mood for yourself. Did you prepare for this? Or is this like a spontaneous thing? Are you relaxed? Um, Have you cleared your space? Have you done whatever it is to make sure that you can enjoy that moment and be in that moment and actually come into the table with a clear mind? Like, try not to have all of the day's things in your mind, right? And that typically starts with kind of, again, setting setting the scene for yourself and setting up the environment. Cut the lights off, light some candles, some incense or something, turn on some good slow down, whatever it is that's going to get you aroused, whatever it is that's going to take you to that headspace that you are in in a daily basis, on a daily basis, right? So being able to be completely relaxed and I guess the biggest thing is also being able to communicate to your partner what you want, how you want it, how you don't want it, right? Mm-hmm. So it's all of those things that's going to be able to take you to that. So it's definitely mentally and physically, um, but it's everything else, all the other dimensions that's wrapped up in it. Um, your social and your spiritual has something to, to do with it because if you're, again, coming from a background, a culture or a community or family, that shame sexual expression you didn't have um the outlet or that know-how or what have you or even a positive reinforcement or a positive experience behind somebody else's then it'll be difficult for you to have that experience so you have to think about all of those things um and then knowing of course what type or like there are all different types of orgasm and if your partner is just think of like oh you're going to have orgasm because we're having penetrative sex no (laughs) (laughs) might not happen like you might need to do all the things right it might need to take more kissing more rubbing it might even have to be a non-genital contact orgasm right to say that it you don't have to play with that person's genitals to get them to to be aroused and to actually get them to probably climax because you have different cultures will have what is that uh tantric where you don't touch anybody like you just the the waves and the energy a, a whole different mental spiritual space that a lot of us are in but it can take you there right so all of these things that can be done to help you get into that that orgasmic experience yes yes um so we heard a lot of good things set in the mood sexual communication and also doing some pre-work to unpack any um of the cultural or societal factors that may be impacting your sexual experiences and that's what we do on this podcast we want to like have those conversations so that we can unlearn things and relearn things and learn things for the first time that can change our perspective on sex and sexuality and sexual experiences. So thank you for that. And chapter seven talks a a lot about this. Chapter seven and chapter eight in this text, they talk about orgasms and relationships and um, orgasms and culture that really touch on a lot of the things that we talked about. But 
to answer that question, um, it says that our brain is our greatest sexual organ. We can yes. flood it with physical, cognitive, emotional, or pharmaceutical stimuli that may have additive effects on the intensity of our orgasms. For women, combined stimulation of the clitoris, vagina, cervix, nipples, breasts, lips, and personal ero erogenous zones may intensify the frequency and strength of the orgasm. Men describe um, additive effects on orgasm when penile stimulation is accompanied with stimulation of the scrotum, testicles, prostate, nipples, lips, and personal erogenous zones. Okay. So different combinations for everybody. Um, yeah. But just as Alicia said, like sometimes we think that like penetrative sex will do it, but we just heard all those different body parts that can be stimulated to get us where we are trying to go. Exactly. And you mentioned the erogenous zones. Um, people understanding that there are about 11 primary erogenous zones, right? And so these are your, your hot spots around your body. And a lot of people don't pay attention. Like people just do not. People are not into details. Mm -hmm. And typically when they are getting in the mood, and it, again, it's just depending on the person, on the experiences, what they know, what they don't know, um, how they're taught. So a lot of people, some people get their education from porn. And we know porn is not the most romantic, intimate example of sexual experiences. It's just like, Oh, we're turned on, the penis is hard, and particularly hetero porn, right? The penis is hard, and then we're going for it. We don't even know it to put you in. And a lot of times they are using um, lube anyway, right? Most of the time. Mm -hmm. So you have these experiences, and they're, they're just kind of going for it, but you don't see the foreplay. You don't see, and again, one of the things that you need to be aware of, um, and depending on how much investment that you have in that person, is that person love language? What turns them on? What, what's big for them? Because something that you think will help turn them on may not turn them on. Mm -hmm. You may have somebody sitting there that they're turned on by a conversation, but that person might not even be a talker. Like you ain't said too much or nothing. And then you're expecting to go ahead and get busy and have sex. Like, wait a minute, I don't know what's going on. Like, I'm not even mentally stimulated yet you know what I'm saying to even right. get me physically stimulated right and you have some people that is like hey touch me here touch me on my neck and I'm on like I'm on fire like I'm ready it just, just don't take much um but to explore your erogenous zones and I went through so genitals your arms your butt the perineum so that little space as some of the guys like to call it the gooch <laughs> between the booty hole and the ball sack that little smooth space right there Utilize that, like all the things, the whole body, y'all, is there to be explored, is there to be touched, is there to be licked and rubbed and massaged, all the things to do to it, right? You can do to it. Um, but what else? Um, the inner surface of your, the inner thigh is an erogenous zone, armpits, breasts, nipples, navel, neck, ears, of course, and especially the earlobe, um, and the entire mouth, so the lips the tongue, everything, the, the, the whole cavity, right? And then you have those um, secondary erogenous zones where those are places that may not consider somewhat sexual, but because you're having a positive sexual experience, 
during that moment that it could be turned into an erogenous zone, right? So uh, one of the examples is like, if you're having a sexual experience, for instance, if somebody's hitting it from the back and, and the next thing you know, they lick you on your back. You wouldn't even think if somebody's just regularly looking at you, they're like, what is going on with you? But right. now you're actually <laughs> in the moment and then somebody just licks you up your spine or somewhere or gives you a massage. Or, that becomes an erogenous zone because it's that moment where um, it is the where the primary is where there are a deep concentration of nerve endings. So those places, those 11 places that I told you, those are really heavy in nerve endings. Um, but then the secondary are, it may not be heavily in nerve endings, but it still acts as a, um, a spot, a turn on spot for people, a hot spot for people. Oh, yes. Okay. We are definitely going to um, do a post about that, the erogenous zones. Thank you so much. They say, this is, <laughs> this is what, this is the tease that we brought you on for. Yes, this is, this is yes. all of it. So Alicia, can you talk about um, how people can get more comfortable with exploring those zones for themselves and exploring their own bodies and exploring with masturbation? Um, how, yeah, what, what, uh, what is some advice that you would give people um, for that? And then, um, especially thinking about people who grew up learning that masturbation was a sin or that it was bad, it was nasty, it was perverted. How do we unpack that so that we can be more comfortable with exploring our bodies and our erogenous zones and what turns us on and um, experiencing orgasm? Like how, yeah, how do we, how do we do that? Yeah, so I think the first thing that you should do is to say it's okay. Be accepting of that, right? You're not nasty. You're not perverted. You're none of those negative connotations that have been attached to you and attached to that particular um, sexual behavior or sexual expression. Um, you know, they like to say what safe sex is the best, best sex and safe sex being considered um, having uh, a, a sex or a sexual intercourse with some type of barrier method that's going to help pre prevent pregnancy or the transmission or exposure of other STIs and STDs. However, uh, the best sex is self-sex. Have a sex for yourself, with yourself. Um, so once you kind of get past that mental block of all of those things that you're probably hearing and replaying in your mind of why you're not, but really exploring that space of why aren't you? What's keeping you from self-love what's keeping you from self-pleasure and exploring yourself um and that's what the, all of that unpacking has to do so what the India I always say I'm not my hair like you're not your family shame you're not the religious uh, ridicule that's going on you're, you're none of those things you are a human being and every human being is a sexual being because we're born from that created from that way born that way died that way live that way die that way like we're just sexual beings all across the board um and that you have that god-given right to explore who you are what you like how you like it um and and just do things like we said do things that turn you on bit by bit don't think about what's going to turn the next person on because your sexiness your glow up your fineness all of that stuff that's going to turn them on regardless 
But you think about what turns you on. What are those things that get you off? What are those things that make your 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 spine tingle, right? As we like to say. And you think about um, when your your spine is tingling, that's where your orgasm is coming from. It, like everything from the brain all the way down to the spine to the tailbone, like all of that mm-hmm. has something to do with that orgasm, right? So when you start to feel that tingling sensation, um, but also exploring, um, reading different things. Um, there we are, we're in the age of technology. Like all the things are there where you can have the very credible information out here. You can read some um, some some novels. Some, you know, Zane was our girl. She's had us all ready. You know, from back in the day, like we learned something. We learned something. Zane taught us now. So if you are '80s baby, '90s baby, and you was a little curious about certain things, I'm sure you read a Zane book, and she probably put you on some stuff. But doing things that are kind of outside of the box and creating that space mentally for you to be open and acceptable to exploring yourself and your body um, and really just appreciating yourself. And what we say, uh, a part of the circles of sexuality, one of those circles is sensuality. So that's you being aware of your body and the bodies of those who you're attracted to. And then one of those components of sensuality is skin hunger. So you're, um, you're wanting or the lack of you wanting to be touched and what things feel good to you and what things don't feel good to you, right? Um, and like for me, one of my, my biggest skin hunger daily is my skin. Like I have soft skin. I think that it, I've, I've kind of talked that up to using baby oil all the time. Okay. <laughs> right? So one of my self-care, like, in hunger moments is after getting out of the shower and I'm putting on baby oil or um, I get a friend of mine to uh, she made she has this amazing oil called the love below Brielle I don't know y'all find her Miss Breezy find her look her up beautiful like the best oil ever that she puts flowers in and all that good stuff so it smells super good mm-hmm. um, and so just having that moment like oh that feels good so being able to appreciate the skin that you're in and starting there, you don't have to, some people may be uncomfortable, like, oh my God, I don't feel like touching myself, I don't, I don't, like, that's, that doesn't feel good to me, start touching your, touching your hands, touching your arms, your legs, your feet, you know, those things, start to appreciate that, you have to start to appreciate those things, but also, again, some people may not have that positive experience of skin hunger, because, again, People may have different experiences. They may have dealt with trauma. They may have dealt with people touching them that they didn't want them to be touched. Mm-hmm. And then that's when you kind of feel like your body is betraying you because somebody done touched you that you didn't want to be touched, but your body reacted this way. Um, and, and in a manner that it, it seemed to be turned on, mm-hmm. we can't do anything chemically, biologically, you know, neurologically, your body is just going to react to that, even though sometimes part of your brain is like, I don't think I like that, right? right. It just happens. So it's certainly a lot of stuff that people may have to unpack to begin um, feeling more comfortable exploring things within themselves. Um, and also finding somebody that I like to have, find a fun buddy, somebody who may be a little bit more experienced than you, that can show you something that you don't mind being vulnerable with, that you can have that emotional vulnerability with them um, to say, hey, I don't know, I'm not too skilled in this. I don't know too much, like, can you show me some things? Mm-hmm. Or being being coachable, right? As a sex educator, I, we are lifelong learners. You should be a lifelong learner as a sex educator. If you're not, I, you need to get out the field. So 
you're always willing to learn something. So that's my sale for the day. But um, finding somebody who can teach you, always be teachable and coachable and wanting to learn different things. Um, but first, it's really starting to explore your own body um, and take it one step at a time. You don't have to just jump all in. It's okay. And particularly with the people who have vulvas, um, which people would say, oh, a vagina. A vulva is the whole thing, right? So you start to touch on yourself. You start to feel the shape of your vulva. What does it feel like? You start to appreciate your vulva, right? Because one thing that the media and pop culture shows you is that everybody vagina, everybody penis or vulva should look like and everybody penis should look like or be this size and be that size. It's not. Everybody's uh, labias are different. Some are bigger than others. Some are smaller than others. Some are different colors. You have to appreciate your body. And once you appreciate your body and start to like, oh, I like how this feels. Or, oh, this, oh, girl, you can do that. And you start to turn yourself on and then you just, take yourself to a different level so then when you start to do the exploring and what's best for you some people um when they are exploring they may use sex toys but you have people that may not be comfortable using sex toys because that's just not their thing so they may be into fingering and that's okay or if they are into finding some items around the house if you're using items that's around the house it's okay we're not going to shame you but just make sure that there are no sharp edges if you're using anything to put inside of you, whether it's inside the anus or inside the vagina, making sure it has a flared base or something that cannot get sucked up into that cavity because these are muscles that we're talking about. So when you're having an orgasm, um, these, these muscles are contracting, right? So when they're contracting, things get tight. And then when that gets tight, so your body gets tense and tight, and then you get nervous, and it's gonna really tight. So you might you might, you know, something might just kinda go up and up and just stay there for a little bit until you your body starts to relax and, and let it go. So you want to make sure that you're using these um toys or items that will bring you sexual pleasure and start to explore your body. Uh, with the females, um, and those who have female body partners or those who have uh clitorises, be kind to the clitoris. Use the clitoris. The clitoris is your friend, okay? As I said, the little man in the boat, pull that hood back, stimulate it. And the clitoris is way bigger than what we see. You have a couple more arms in uh, the background of the vulva, right? That is That houses the clitoris. So you have all of that. So some people just thinking, oh, I'm just going for the clit and I'm just playing with it. No, play with the whole thing, massage it. Massage the inner leg, go upward, right? All of that, use your hands, use your, use feathers, use anything that feels good. So this is where the skin hunger comes in too, right? Use leather, use honey, paper towel, cotton, whatever, water, whatever it is that turns you on, that feels good to your skin, that arouses you in these different ways. Start to explore that. And then like we talked about all of those different erogenous zones, just start to just lightly, Lightly touch yourself, lightly caress yourself in those areas. As a, again, it doesn't have to be sexual. You can just be exploring and having an intimate moment with yourself and figuring out, like, oh, that turned me on. Oh, that gave me little chill bumps right here, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if you're a person that you, if the room is too hot, turn the air on. You know, you probably can't focus because it's too hot. Like, all think of the things that are just going to turn you off and do the opposite. <laughs> 
Yes, 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 yes. I love so much about what you said. And um, even just the last thing that you said, I think that sometimes we don't think about the ways that um, all of these outside factors can impact um, our sexual experiences. So just grateful for that. Um, and something that I'll add to what you were talking about, like in exploration, um, I think that more people need to take time to look at their genitalia, especially those of us who um, don't have genitalia that protrudes from the body. So you need mm -hmm. to get in the mirror and look at it and see what it is that you're touching. Like, what am I touching that feels good? Like, really mm -hmm. learn about your anatomy um, and why things feel good when you touch them. So, yes. Right. Really, really, really good stuff. Okay, so something that you touched on earlier and kind of related to what we're talking about now um, is how orgasms are different. And that was a question that came up um, from one of the teasers. Are there multiple types of orgasms specifically for women and are they all called orgasms? Yeah, so you have, um, that could have a combination of it all, but you can have, orgasms through penetrative sex um, again and I'm speaking from a person with a, a vagina a vulva so those who have a vulva they can have a penetrative um, orgasm they can have an orgasm that is uh, stimulated by the clitoris only and then also they can have an orgasm that is um, stimulated cervically and or you can have an orgasm that's all three two of the three one of the three like it's 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 different, right? So also depending on what you're doing to have that orgasm now. So if people who typically are having oral sex, meaning it's mouth to genital, mouth to vulva, um, they are more likely having um, clitoral stimulation, meaning that that person is stimulating the clitoris. Hopefully that person is stimulating the clitoris. If they're not, you might need to tap them on the head, tell them, go get up. It's <laughs> not even going to waste our time here, okay? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, sometimes people have uh, the combination where they are having oral sex, but they're also having digital sex or digit sex, so they're fingering, right? So not only are you stimulating um, the clitoris with your mouth and your tongue or your hands, your fingers, but you're also um, penetrating the vagina and, being, and, and coupling that with the clitoral stimulation, right? Um, also, you have people when they're having penetrative sex, if it's a penis, sex toy, what have you, where it's in the uh, vagina, and they're still uh, stimulating the clitoris. Um, so there are different types of orgasms that a person can have. Uh, one of the things that is very common, more common, is that people have, uh, for the females, that they have clitoral um, stimulation or clitoral orgasm. With the guys, um, a lot of times it's kind of talking up with the guys and say, oh, well, you ejaculated, you had an orgasm. You just ejaculated. You don't necessarily have an orgasm, full-out orgasmic experience. Mm -hmm. And one of the reasons is that, particularly, is that the guy's G-spot is um, in the anus, the prostate gland. So those who are not comfortable having anal play, those who may not um, have a preference for sexual orientation of uh, the same gender, where it's two males and they're having oral stimulation. I mean, I'm not oral, but anal stimulation. Um, they may not be comfortable with having um, uh, prostate or the male to find their G spot, right? Particularly if you are 
in a hetero relationship. So everybody is able to have a wonderful orgasm, but it's just about how open and explorative that you're trying to be with your partner. Absolutely, absolutely. And though, um, there were some questions about um, the male prostate, and I'm, I'm going to jump to that in a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, but just how you said, like you can have stimulation from various areas um, <clears throat> in your reproductive system. And then something I learned from this text that was really interesting to me. So there's the G spot, which is the area um, about it varies for everybody's because right. the vagina sizes are different um but right. it's through the vagina before you reach the bladder area um so you have the g spot but then there's also the u spot which is a small patch of sensitive tissue located just above the woman's urethral opening um and that mm-hmm. was very interesting to me because it's not just oh put your mouth or your tongue right here or touch this spot, touch this right. spot. It's That's everything. How you touch it's your everything. mouth and your tongue on everything. Yes. Like yes. Massaging the labia and the vulva, like that is complete. When you're doing that, when you're massaging the labia and all that, you're massaging the damn clitoris. You're just massaging the pieces that you can't see. Yes. <laughs> right? So it's hugely important to make sure, like, and being soft and gentle because a lot of times, some people don't know their strength. They think that, oh, I got that. What if they're going to pound town? You're doing all this kind of thing. It doesn't take all of that because mm-hmm. you're literally, there's a thin line between pain and pleasure. And also that sometimes the facial reactions and the body language that is given can be mistaken for pleasure, but it's painful. Mm-hmm. And it depends on that person and if they can explain that to if they're comfortable enough to say, hey, that I don't like that, don't feel good or that hurts, so can you do this a little differently, right? And a lot of people are a little nervous about giving those directives because they don't know how that person is going to respond, especially if it's someone that you're having a casual encounter with or you may not know that person as long as you would have um, known somebody that you're in a committed relationship, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but like using the whole shedding just like with the guy, you're not just going to say, oh, well, if you're having oral sex, you give a head to a guy, a person with a penis, um, and just leave it say, okay, I, I put my mouth on the shaft, or I put my mouth on the head of it, and it was like, well, wait a minute, they got testicles that you can play with, like, they have an anus, they, the perineum that we talked about, mm-hmm. Guys have nipples, they have skin, a whole shebang of skin, like all the things that you can deal with that you can not just use your mouth, but use your hand and your mouth, right? Like all the things that you can do to help that person get to that um, orgasmic experience. And again, if your partner is comfortable, you're comfortable, you know, uh, when you're having uh, anal sex with a guy that you might want to reach around there. A little anal play. It's okay. Just make sure you use lube and that the person is comfortable and you got a safe word. Pay attention to your people, right? Um, but making sure that you can overall communicate with that person, let them know like what feels good and what don't feel good. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. That's a, a recurring theme that has come up a lot in this conversation, sexual communication. Um, and I can say like on a personal note, um, sexual communication really changed the game for me. <laughs> like when I learned to advocate for myself um, and when I learned to um, communicate in a way that was not based in like how I expected the person to perform um, and things like that. Um, and also I, something I had to learn, like I had to learn how to get off my high horse as a sex educator. Um, you know, like people don't know these things. So it's like, I'm talking to a partner and like trying to coach them through with like using terms that they don't know about um, and things like that. Or, you know, coming from a place of sexual liberation that they may not have reached yet. Um, right. So sexual communication definitely really changed the game for me. And it's something that um, I encourage for everybody to like work it, work on and practice. Um, right. And we've talked about so much through and through how important it is um, with all yeah. the questions that's come up. So yeah. absolutely. And one of the things that people should understand to us being in this profession uh we aren't like the almighty porn star people you know you have individuals that's a piece of you do have people that have a pleasure-based lens and that come that may um have experience in the kink world or whatever those more pleasure-based um approaches but that may not be everybody's damn, right? That might not be everybody's thing. So still as sexologists, sexuality educators, sexual health educators, whomever, all the people that fall under this particular field, that we're still humans too, right? So we're working through our things and we're unpacking our things because we came from a culture that was suppressed or a community that was suppressed or shamed or whatever around this particular topic. So, but we're just kind of bold enough and and uh intuitive enough to, to kind of step into like oh i wonder what this is about i got to find out more don't nobody want to talk about it, so i'm gonna talk about it. i'm gonna find out about it right and like we're literally still working on ourselves and figuring out what's best for us what we like what we don't like our boundaries are changing um our communication skills are changing and that well again that's where it comes in and the importance of our lived experiences that's just as important as our scientific education behind this topic. Absolutely, absolutely. And I thank you so much for saying that because I don't, I, you know, I don't ever want anybody to think with this podcast that, um, you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm the know-all and be-all of things. I'm learning so much from Alicia right now. I'm, I learn every day, every time I pick up a book, I'm like, what? <laughs> or this contradicts everything that I've ever learned about this topic. So um, it's, everything. it's constant, it's constant for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay, so we are getting down to some of our last questions. And um, let's see, which ones haven't we covered yet? Um, I think definitely number four, but I feel like you're going to kind of save that. Okay. Um, yeah. We already did five and six. Um, let's see, this is a good one. We talked about half of the question, um, but this one, what do I do if I think that my partner is faking um, orgasms during sex? Golly, finally. 
Again, communication, but like you really have to talk to. And there's so many people, y'all don't feel bad at all. There's so many people that are purely faking orgasms. Um, and it, because again, sex is performative. Um, whether people's comfort level, uh, a lot of people that really a lot of people mean well lord bless our hearts we mean well so many ways mm -hmm. and particularly from the male species sometimes where they don't want so even the females they don't want to um disappoint their partner right they don't want them to feel a type of way about not making that person climax but again like you said like your partner isn't necessarily fully responsible for you to have an orgasm um but it's it's on the work of, of both people or all parties however many people that is a part of that sexual experience it's, it's part of everybody um but again we're going back to that number one thing what is the number one word for today y'all sexual communication communication <laughs> i gotta need a bell like da, da, da. <laughs> okay oh, yeah, like it's all about sexual communication and really and body language. And some people are can be so oblivious and, and ignorant and naive sometimes. Like they just are kind of oblivious to social cues and understanding like, I don't think this is working for this person, right? Um, but we have to be courageous enough to have these conversations with our partners to say, you know what, I appreciate you whatever all the good things right give them lay it all out say how everything is so good however um I don't come as much as I want to or uh, I would like to have more uh orgasmic experiences and a lot of times the sad thing about it is that people don't necessarily have a good handle on their emotions and they may react in a way that will keep that person from expressing themselves mm -hmm. totally. Mm -hmm. So if you come to somebody and say, well, I fake it all the time because you ain't doing shit. <laughs> How do you think, what type of environment you think that is being created when you're going in that way, when you're expressing yourself that way, right? Mm -hmm. Somebody's going to be mad. It's going to be a big argument. Also, that's going to lead to insecurity, and which, matter of fact, is going to blow up the insecurity that that person had anyway. Mm -hmm. uh, so you're going to have all of these things right there. So pretty much your delivery on how you say things, and then also making sure it's somewhat the right time to introduce this to your partner, say something to them, because you want to make sure that you have their full attention and that they're in they're not feeling hostile. You know, the environment is as healthy and relaxed as possible when you're talking about certain things. And you can even do it in a way that you don't want to talk directly about it. And I'm a whole Gemini and I can talk around the things. Just say, hey, baby, let's try this. Have you heard about this? This new oil or this new something or this new toy or mm -hmm. I, one of my people told me that if you do this like this, I want to see if that's going to work for us. You know, try it in a, different ways that you could do it in a suggestive manner, or you can just be blunt and direct and say, you know what, you mm, making me orgasm like I'm supposed to. I'm, I won't be busting more nuts than this. Like, you got to help me out here. <laughs> yes. 
yes whatever it is right whatever it may be but just honest, being transparent and honest with the person but what messes up people a lot of times is that you have people faking orgasms for years hmm. they love the hell out of that person and what that person does in so many different ways but it's just that one thing when it comes to the bedroom that they're not doing right and that can become uh it can become kind of difficult and kind of even though it's a movie or a tv show but i'm sure somebody's real life somewhere or another um well what is that movie Sing, single wives club or sing, is that it with it first wives club okay mm-hmm. that was that's the remake um on bet plus and so that's pretty much about three friends. They're all together. They, whether if their marriage ended, having a hard marriage, being separated, whatever the case, but it's about them navigating these marriages, relationships, as well as their friendships with um, the three ladies. And one of them um, had been married for probably about 15 years better. And very routine that the husband would get off and become aroused by watching porn. He'll start masturbating, watching porn, and then when he kind of gets to the point, almost climaxing, that he starts to have penetrative sex with the wife. So it's really, there's no um, foreplay with the wife or nothing like that. She's literally just waiting Mm -hmm. there for him to roll over and to have sex with him. And two minutes, he he busted a nut and he laying down, he out. So we already know (laughs) that she's right. Um, Okay. Um right and they had been having a little uh hard times in between careers and everything and her putting her career hold and helping to uh, elevate his career what have you they had a big spat and it came out well you never made me orgasm in all these years and then boom she leaves (laughs) so not only you done had a child and even though having a kid means nothing Mm. because you could just shoot the club up and you're pregnant like it doesn't the person doesn't have to have an orgasm in order for somebody to get pregnant but and then now you've been sexual with this person for however many years and then all of a sudden you smack this person in the face with your words to say you've never given me an orgasm even though this is a tv show i'm absolutely sure this has happened in yeah. the real world yeah it's probably happening right now somebody probably pissed off right now right now listening to this podcast right now <laughs> And say like, oh my God, that is. <laughs> but the biggest issue is that she let it go on so long. And whether if it was to appease him, to make him feel good about himself, whatever the case may be, but don't let that go on so long that that per like that person is going to have to do a whole lot of unpacking and everything else and working through their insecurities and whatever other emotions that may play a part in knowing that. I have not and cannot fully sexually satisfy my partner, right? So think about somebody walking around with that on their shoulders like, dang, I thought I was laying it down. I thought I was doing this. But in actuality, you weren't doing anything. Like you were doing something, but it wasn't for the collective. It was just for yourself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So communication, talking to your partner, doing little fun things, having... um, Finding little car games, like they're all the things that people started to create, especially when COVID hit and we had to be shut down. Like there's so many things that you could do. Whether if you create your own your own thing where you get uh, index cards or scrap pieces of paper or a popsicle sticks, 
write different things up there that would help to um, in, intensify the intimacy between the two of you or the three of you, however managing your your, your experience or um, figuring out having little stickers or something, playing dice or something, one of those dice games that you get out of the sex store or one of these novelty shops and you roll the dice and you do what the dice say you do. The dice say, put your mouth here or touch this here. Whatever it says, do, do it. You know, don't have any thoughts about it. And then also don't have high expectations. Kind of limit your expectations because People can be disappointed by expectations. You already come in and be like, oh man, I know they're going to do this. And, this. and then you get up like, man, you ain't doing nothing. Yeah. Because <laughs> your expectations are so high, right? So, not to say to lessen standards, there's a difference between standards and expectations. Um, but, okay. But knowing that, say, I might not, I'm not going to expect King Noir type sex lay me down. Right. But I have an expectation of being pleased. I have an expectation that I'm going to come in here pleasing you as well as I'm going to need you to do the same for me. Mm -hmm. I feel like if both people or all individuals come into the mix of having that expectation that pleasure should be all the way around and not just one sided, then we'll probably be better and have better um, sexual experience and better orgasmic sexual experiences. Absolutely. Absolutely. Allowing the sexual experiences to define themselves and not thinking that, oh, you know, this person, they got a big dick or, you know, she got a fat ass, so it's going to go this way or the other. Like, just let it be what it is and um, go in with the the expectation of pleasure and allowing that to be define itself. I love that. Absolutely. And also, taking care of yourself physically. Are you getting enough sleep? Are you drinking enough water? Are you? Is your mind clear? You know, are you in stressful? If you're in, if you're in stressful situations, if you got a whole lot going on, then you're not going to be able to give yourself, give the best of yourself in these situations to be relaxed enough and to be connected with that person and be connected with yourself. You got to be connected mm-hmm. with you before you connect with somebody else to even open don't expect somebody to turn you on you better turn yourself on before somebody else turn you on absolutely okay you're gonna be disappointed if you don't you better figure <laughs> it out okay? absolutely absolutely if they're in it and they hit that spot and the next thing you know they decide to go two inches too too far over tell them to go two inches back to where they were whatever it is to communicate but and hopefully that person will take it as a Oh, okay. That might be a turn off for them. You know, they might want you to tell a little more, talk a little more. Mm-hmm. Whatever it is, like have these talks beforehand and know like what's your turn offs and turn offs. Like I love doing the activity with all of my groups and to have these conversations and figuring out what's your turn offs and turn offs on all sense using all of your senses, right? Um, smell, touch, hearing, feeling. Um, what's the other one? Taste, all of that. Figure that out for yourself and then take that with you in your next experiences. So you'll know what your your red flags are and your green flags are, what you can go with and what you can't go with. Mm-hmm. So being able to identify that for yourself and then add in the physical part. Just don't go jumping into anything now. Like do some teasing, touching, talking, like all of that. Put all of that in there. Okay? Yes. Give it a little build up. 
Little does. Send some nasty text message throughout the day. (laughs) And loosely using the term nasty, of course. But, you know, a little freaky dicky text message. Mm -hmm. That you say, I want to do this to you, whatever. And don't even come. And leave them dry. They probably expect you to come over that night and do some, nope, I'm going to see you in three days. Just kind of build (laughs) up the intensity of it all, Mm -hmm. you know. And um, do something different. Turn the lights off. Turn it on. Whatever. You know, if you're a person that's very routine to say, okay, we're going to be in the bedroom. No, do it on the couch. Make sure nobody in the house does. Or, you know, do it on the back porch or whatever your thing is. Like, do something different outside the box that will kind of heighten those senses that will help with your uh, pleasure senses as well. Love it. I love that. Love it. Well, thank you, Alicia. So before we wrap up, is there anything else that you can share with the people about orgasms and all of the things that we talked about today? Oh, man. Um, Be kind to yourself. Learn yourself before you let somebody else learn you. Um, Sexual communication is trumps everything when it comes to sexual wellness. You got to learn how to talk about it. You got to learn how to listen. Um, and you have to learn how to express it back to that person, right? Um, and reciprocation. And in the words of Uncle Charlemagne, keep that same energy. Keep that same energy from the beginning to the end and, and escalate it, elevate it. Um, everybody's orgasms are not the same. And what, what did Leah say? At first she doesn't see, try, try again. You try. Mm-hmm. Time. There are different ways that you can have orgasms. There are different things that you can do. Don't limit yourself. Um, and females who squirt, it ain't pee. The end. <laughs> yes. Yes. That's a, a good note to end on. Thank you so much for clarifying that. We have to keep revisiting that one um, yeah. <laughs> for some reason, but um, I'm definitely going to share more information about that on the social medias, and um, I'm going to share more inf- information with y'all about the 11 erogenous zones we talked about. Um, Alicia introduced us to the circles of sexuality, so I'm going to share um, more with you all about that. Um, and we're just so grateful that you came on and share all of these wonderful things with us. I, I really feel like this is going to end up being a part two. Um, so I'm definitely going to be hitting you up. Um, but I'm just I'm really grateful. And you dropped some gems on here today. I got like different hashtags. I'm about to start using Yay. like hashtag be kind to the glitterist. That is, that's the one. That's the one right there for me. Be kind. <laughs> that's the and one. Use right all there. the things. Again, use the hands, your lips, your tongue, honey, the, the, the fingers, the elbows, whatever. Get into it, no. okay? <laughs> Get into it. And no, no, again, fine line between pain and pleasure. Pay attention, pay attention. Pay attention. Pay attention. Yes. So can you tell the teasers how uh, we can stay connected with you on social media and um, stay connected with Be Free Wellness? Yeah. So I do have a website. You can check out my services, what I've done. I do all the things from public health, community health organizing to, uh, again, teaching sex ed in different areas, um, different settings. And... um, grant writing, whatever support. I love, um, kind of a love-hate relationship, but really understanding the importance 
of helping other nonprofits and organizations with program development. Mm -hmm. So I do all the things. So my website is www.befreewell.com. Um, you can find me on Facebook if you search Be Free Wellness, um, Be Free Wellness Education and Consulting, and also Be Free is Together, B-E-F-R-E-E. -E. That's all, that's one word. Because um, I feel like your existence of yourself and being free, it belongs together. There should be no space between that. Um, and on Instagram, at Be Free Well is my Instagram. Not too active up there, you'll see me pop up and add up a little bit. But over time, building up my content, um, I'm all for uh, tailor-made sex education. There's no one-size-fits-all here. So if anybody needs one-on-one -on -one sessions, if you're group sessions, what have you, court sessions, whatever it is, whenever, wherever you want to talk about sex ed, I'm a person. Um, find me on Facebook, Alicia B. Free Wellness or Alicia B. Free Andrews. So all the places. Yes, yes. And I'll share these in the um, comments of the podcast as well um, so that y'all can get in touch and stay in touch with all of the wonderfulness that is Alicia. So thank you so much, sis. And I love thank you. you. I appreciate you. This was everything um, that we needed. And I'm excited. I'm excited to hear back from what people have learned and I'm excited for the conversations that will um, be sparked because of this conversation that we had. So just thank you so much. I can't say it enough. And um, we look forward to having you back. Thank you. And I'm so proud of you. I'm very appreciative. I you don't know how much I appreciate your gratitude and your love and support that you showed me over these past couple of years. Um, and just, just being you, you know, just continue being you, continue doing great things. I definitely would come back when you ask me to come back. Um, definitely would love to speak more about the circles of sexuality and all the pieces that's connected to our sexuality and what we can do, all the things. So whatever it is, I'm here for it, honey, and continue great success in all the seasons, season 12, 13, 14, 15, <laughs> however many seasons that you want this to experience. Like I'm here to support and you have a forever supporter in me. So I appreciate you. Thank you so much, Mia. Awesome. All right, teasers, I hope you all enjoyed this episode. I hope that you take something with you and continue this conversation in real life. If you're not doing so already, make sure that you subscribe, like, and favorite this podcast, which makes you an official teaser. Also, make sure you're following us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Birds, Bees, Teased. If you'd like to donate to the podcast by way of Cash App, our cash tag is dollar sign Birds, Bees, Teased. We're so grateful for your continued support of the podcast. Stay tuned for the next episode.